How we doing out there, folks? This is Kenny Vaughn, your host with the most, and I am here with my partner in crime. What is up, everybody? I am Sophia. I play for Team Breakline. And welcome back to the arena. Y'all, we are so very excited to introduce who's going to join us in the arena today, but I will let them do the honors after I lay out the land. So we're here today to explore fear-based decision-making um, and sort of the potential that's unlocked once companies harness an opportunity-based decision-making framework rather than that fear-based one. And I would love to set the scene a little bit for our listeners as to what we're talking about. So. When we refer to fear-based decision-making, we are talking about this tendency to lean towards familiar hires rather than exploring what could be possible with candidates from underselected backgrounds. So in our experience, when it comes to opening doors to folks from these previously undertapped backgrounds, hiring managers and recruiters, they want to be a part of the solution. Um, They are also working to build high-speed, high-growth companies, and they need to really quickly grow their teams. And working with Breakline offers them a chance to make an opportunity-based decision to select someone who they perhaps wouldn't have been able to find on their own, but who can really up-level performance for their entire organization. And during this discussion, we are going to really intentionally explore the outcomes that our partner companies have delivered by creating these more diverse teams and by overcoming fear-based decision-making. So Breakline works with over 65 companies. We have built domain expertise, and now we want to share that expertise with everybody. So we have some absolute ballers assembled for this conversation. I am going to let them introduce themselves and their backgrounds. Bethany, if you want to go first. Soapy, I would be happy to. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. I'm Bethany Coates, CEO and founder of Breakline. Prior to um, starting the company, I was an assistant dean at Stanford um, Business School where I led social impact education globally. And I started Breakline to empower companies to make opportunity-based decisions. So really Mm. hiring outstanding people from all walks of life in the pursuit of building the biggest, best, fastest growing and most profitable company possible. Zane, over to you. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. I'm Zane Kanab, Director of Customer Success at Breakline. Um, I am an Air Force veteran. I went through Breakline myself five years ago as I was transitioning into tech. I'm also a MuleSoft and Salesforce alumni. I lead a team of, of seven customer success managers at Breakline who are in the trenches with our hiring managers and recruiters at our 65 partner companies across the tech industry. Um, My team's number one goal is to empower those recruiters, hiring managers at those companies to capitalize on the talent arbitrage opportunities. And I'm excited to talk about that today. So over to you, Kenny Vaughn. Is it bad to just be excited to be in this space with you all right now? We want this Um, energy. I'm always excited when you guys invite me to be here. I'm just going to put that out there. I I get pretty excited about these episodes of the arena, but this one in particular, I am super excited about. Once again, my name is Kenny Vaughn. I'm the director of Breakline Apex. Prior to joining this team, I spent 13 years in the military and and was a director of diversity admissions at West Point, where I helped to drive opportunity-based decisions there at the academy and, and to bring in the most diverse class possible. So that was the work that brought me here to Breakline. I'm super excited to carry on that mission and to help close the diversity gap within the tech industry and just super excited about today's conversation. 
Yes, then let's dive into it. And Kenny, given that that you're just giving us all the Kennery, that's what we lovingly call it here at Breakline, I would love to start with you. So especially given the the very public commitments a ton of companies have made in the tech industry, especially over the past year, to build diverse teams that are definitely reflective of the communities that they serve. You mentioned that you were the director of diversity admissions at West Point prior to joining Team Breakline. So can you share you know, some insights that you want to share with companies regarding diversity and fear-based decision-making? Absolutely. And I, I love that question, Sophia, because I think it's a timely question. And the number one thing that I would say from my experience in this space, folks, is there is not a shortage of diverse talent in this country. On the contrary, I believe the United States is absolutely brimming with talent. The challenge that I've seen is, is really that there's a, ch- a shortage of translators. And as I thought about the topic of fear-based decision-making, I'm actually reminded of a Fortune 500 CEO who made headlines last year from the banking industry because he was quoted as saying, there is a very limited pool of black talent to recruit from. And I'll just go ahead and extend that to black and brown talent. And what that sentiment told me is that this was a leader who was already operating from a position of fear-based decision-making in terms of his approach to talent acquisition. Um, what The biggest thing that four years of diversity recruiting at West Point taught me is that more often than not, the key element that's missing in these in this equation are the translators. And what I mean by that is that you've got this two-sided marketplace where the talent and the institution might be a great fit for one another. However, they're not necessarily talking the same language. And I can't tell you the number of tremendously talented, I mean, these young folks were phenomenal, tremendously talented young men and women from across this country who had great test scores, work ethic, resiliency, grit, out the wazoo. I mean, they're just crushing life. But they would self-select out of the West Point admissions process because maybe they had misperceptions about military service or the academy. Or worse yet, maybe they had a detractor in the room. Maybe they had a guidance counselor who told them, and this has happened, they told them they weren't West Point material so they shouldn't even apply. And the reason I wanted to start there is how much diverse talent is on the outside of the tech industry looking in because they have misperceptions about the industry. They've read a bad diversity report. They think they wouldn't be qualified for a job. There are so many unnecessary barriers to entry that exist, which lead to fear-based decision-making on the talent side of the house. And then you flip the script, and I would have to take those conversations from those young candidates and translate them for the admissions committee. And this is where I actually give West Point kudos because they had a translator in the room. They had a diversity admissions officer who could look at these candidates from diverse backgrounds and say, hey, this particular candidate may be missing you know, um, participation in sports. Maybe they don't have as many extracurriculars, but here are some of the other data points that they bring to the table. Um, they're working a part-time job to help support their family. Um, they are involved in their community in a different type of way. All of these things that we're looking for as an institution, which demonstrate a proven track record of excellence, I was able to be in that room, pounding the table for those candidates and translating their story. 
And this is why I was so excited to join Breakline, because literally this is the work that our team, Zane's team in particular, is doing every single day with our partner companies. And I know what's on the other side of this equation when institutions, companies, organizations are willing to have that translator in the room to help bridge the gap from potentially making a fear-based decision, recalibrating and looking at it as an opportunity-based decision and the tremendous results that that produces for those teams, for those organizations. It's just amazing to see play out. So that's why I'm excited. And I think this is a great, a great starting point for our discussion. Kenny, I just, I totally agree with that perspective. I've had my own life experiences that also validate that perspective. And I'll say one of the aspects of Breakland that I have loved the most is the understanding that this country is brimming with top talent. It gives me such a patriotic feeling. I'm so proud to be an American and surrounded by folks who are just getting it done. And I'm super excited about the work that our team is doing to, as you say, translate those pathways to make it more obvious to folks, mm -hmm. you know, the, the fact that excellence comes in different packages, we just have to shine a light and to help people build that bridge. And, and the really good news is that it's possible to do that. It just takes a little bit of polishing on both sides of that marketplace, as you said. I couldn't agree more. Maybe it's a natural transition point, but adding on to what, what you both were just describing, in, in my mind, this is where I get to see kind of a transformation happen with a lot of yeah. the recruiters and hiring managers that start to partner with Breakline. And early yeah. on, there's a lot of friction at a few different yes. points along the process, but there's a, the, the ones that are willing to do the work um, yeah. and our partner companies, we get to see it every day, many times a day. They start to understand how to find and translate those competencies and look for yes. that excellence. And, and they're the ones that are winning. And that's why I'm so excited totally. about the conversation is because it ends up being uh, a win-win and there's actual value created for those companies. They're willing to put in that work and make the opportunity-based decisions. And, and Zane, I would say that we also see that transformation with our candidates as well. hundred you know, percent. As Kenny said, the, the psychology of, I don't see someone who reminds me of myself and therefore I'm not welcome or I can't do it, or that's not a place where I can succeed. And with some support and very targeted applied coaching and learning, absolutely. I mean, we, this is also where we see all day long that people come in and knock it out of the park and they're able to um, move into really wonderful opportunities for themselves and their families. And so it's, um, it's a learning curve that we see on both sides of, of the marketplace that we're lucky enough to play a role in. Completely agree. Can I share one last thought here as well? One of the most powerful things that I remember from my time at West Point was, you know, we'd bring candidates to West Point on a visit with other diverse candidates. Yeah. And to see people who look like them, who are making a similar decision, it reminds me of exactly what we do with our Breakline family. And mm -hmm. to see, to, to hop on a Zoom call and to see people who understand your experience as a veteran, right. who understand your experience as a woman, it's such an empowering part of the process yes. to overcome that fear and say, you know what, I, I can make, I can bet on myself and make an opportunity based decision because I see other people that are in this space 
shoulder to shoulder with me. So I think that's one last thing I want to highlight about the, the way that we're able to create this for our participants as well. You know, and, um, and as you and Zane have already said, the, the fundamental piece that makes it all work is that we require performance. You mm -hmm. absolutely have to have the track record. You have to be able to prove that you will deliver. We, we know that our companies that we work with are growing so fast and they have huge goals and they need help to achieve them. And we know that the candidates that we work with are looking for growth and opportunity mm. and a chance to deliver and add value and contribute. And so we absolutely require performance on both sides. And that's what makes the matchup so tight. You know, when, when we're able to, to find those great hits, it's, it's really because there's a meeting of the minds in terms of what people are trying to create together and produce. And so Bethany, I would love to pick your brain a little bit more. So you founded Breakline because you identified what you often refer to as talent arbitrage opportunities within the tech industry. So last week you shared a LinkedIn post, it was epic, and it really provided a ton of insight into how companies can approach assessing non-traditional candidates with this intent of talent arbitrage. So would you mind revisiting that post and really sharing maybe some of those actionable frameworks that hiring managers and recruiters can apply? Yes, definitely. And, um, and I'm just going to, in that post and in this conversation, I'm just going to offer things that we say internally at Breakline all the time. And we finally realized that we should say them externally as well and sort of describe our, our thinking. But the first mantra for us, this we, we say as a team tons of times a day, every day, we just believe it is excellence is transferable. And, and this mm. also gets back to the performance point. Mm -hmm. um, and what we believe at Breakline is high performers tend to shine in multiple ways across multiple environments. And I, I think we're less interested in a status stamp, you know, and more interested in evidence of sustained performance in one's domain of expertise. And that's because someone who has consistently delivered head and shoulders above their peers they will do it again as part of your team. That's their DNA. That's how they're wired. That's what they insist from themselves. And they don't know any other way to operate. So viewing excellence as transferable is hugely important. And so if you said in the opener to this conversation, you, you were kind of talking about the spotlight effect where you were saying, you know, if, when we insist on a particular brand as, as part of one's resume, we really constrict our perception of the availability of top talent. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely right. What, what we actually need to do is just a little bit of further digging and insist upon performance instead. So excellence is transferable. That is the number one mantra that, that we say all the time and at, at Breakline. The second thing that we think about and we, we really spend a ton of time investing in and trying to understand for each person who applies to Breakline is the idea of valuing distance from the starting line above a single point in time. And he, the reality is that all of us enter a birth lottery. 
and we all emerge with a personal combination of assets and liabilities. And so the question is, how hard and how fast have you run given where you started? Mm -hmm. The distance between your starting line and where you are today is what Breakline uses to assess achievement, grit, and aptitude. So it's impressive to me if somebody has graduated from Harvard. That's great. What really drives it home to me, though, is if that person's parents never graduated from high school, and if that person had to push through different types of STEM programs just to get to college, and if that person majored in chemical engineering in college because she felt like that was the way to really stretch herself, and then she got to Harvard and graduated with her MBA, and I'm describing a breakline candidate. It was the distance from the starting line with parents who didn't have the context or the resources to coach her, certainly didn't have an advantage to provide to her in the application process to Harvard. She ended up getting there through her own blood, sweat, and tears. And that is what makes that journey so impressive to us. The third piece that we think about all the time is cheer the process, but require the outcome. And I cannot emphasize this enough mm -hmm. that meetings and conversations and slides in support of diversity initiatives, those are steps along the way. You know, we should celebrate this as progress, but let's not confuse it as a measurable outcome. I'm, measurable means hiring, retention, mm -hmm. promotion. Mm -hmm. Good intentions matter. Of course they do, but it's achieving the concrete objective that creates enduring change. And I really worry that we can get confused, you know, that a step along the way is actually an outcome. It's not. And so we have to hold ourselves accountable for getting all the way across the finish line. It's harder to do that. That's how we actually create change. Mic drop. Mm -hmm. So can, can I just piggyback on that for a second? Yeah. Because the what you just shared about the accountability from an outcomes perspective, I think is so important. And, you know, we've been a part of conversations. We get a, a chance to talk to a lot of people within the industry. And there are some folks that are like, hey, you know, we, we had a goal and we didn't meet the goal. So we stopped having a goal. Mm -hmm. And this this is hard work, folks. Yeah. This, is, this is not easy stuff. And I think the reason I'm so inspired by you know, particularly the, the partner companies that we work with yeah. is these are folks who are allocating budget. Mm -hmm. They are keeping accountability by, by looking at the numbers, they're doing the hard work and they're saying, Hey, you know, we don't have all the answers. Hey, right. come on, come on, help us out because we realize how important that this is. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of humility to be able to say, hey, this is something that's important enough to us where it might not be a pretty picture right now, but at least we have an accurate picture that we're moving forward on and that we're iterating on. So I just wanted to emphasize that because I think it's a tremendous starting point as we have this conversation. Well, I think I, I totally agree with that, Kenny. And I think we have to demand it of ourselves. Yes. You know, we, we set goals around revenue. We set goals around profit. We set goals Come around on now. growth. Come on and now. Someone is accountable for those goals. And that's because they matter. And mm -hmm. we are going to achieve them because they matter. 
diversity matters too. And one of the reasons why it matters is because diversity is a synonym for performance. So if you want to build a fast growing company and a profitable company, you need a diverse team to do that. That is your best shot at pulling this off. So we simply have to hold ourselves accountable for the outcomes. It's, you know, it, it's time. It just, it just must happen from here on out. And Kenny, one other point I wanted to make is you're absolutely right that this work is hard. And if it was easy, Breakline wouldn't exist. The reason why it's hard is because the diversity gap in industry exists because there are all kinds of interlocking gaps and frictions and biases that start in preschool and mm. follow people all the way through their mm -hmm. careers. And those have to do with accessibility. They have to do with affordability. They have to do with accountability. But literally, we're at a point, and Condoleezza Rice, when she spoke to Breakland, she made this point. We are at a point where we can look at someone's zip code, where they were born, and know if they have a great job today. And I, I just think we need, to, we need to do better. We have to work harder to start creating more pathways to opportunity for folks. And because this is a systemic set of issues that has led us to this point, it requires a systemic solution to get us out. And part of that solution are the partnerships that you're talking about. And so I agree. I'm just endlessly grateful that the 65 companies who are at the table to do this work with Breakline are here and committed. And by the way, they are winning, as Zane said, they are winning the talent arbitrage competition. They are hiring outstanding talent and those people are helping them build their companies. And at the at a tactical level, <clears throat> if I could tell a story really quickly, because I, I see now the importance of recruiters and hiring managers, how much difference they can make with mm -hmm. just kind of um, taking one more moment to consider a candidate, taking yes. kind of understanding, having, some, having a little bit of self-awareness around why they're making that decision of one candidate over another. And mm -hmm. it this the story for me was my my experience when Breakline introduced me to the the tech company I ended up joining MuleSoft. As I was going through the process, there were multiple times where mm -hmm. I was one minute away from not being considered for that job, yes. and I can remember moments where my recruiter when I asked her if there was anything I could do to make myself a more compelling candidate, or if there was any gaps that she was noticing kind of in between getting set up for interviews, she said, you know, we'd really, there's a little bit of, uh, if translating the military experience, if you could focus on how you manage multiple lines of effort, because that's kind of what, that's what account management is. You're going to be managing up to 25 different accounts. So we'd love to see kind of that multi-threaded thought yeah. process that you could bring. Yeah. That was crucial for me. If I didn't have that conversation and somebody saying that to me, because I had that in my background, I just never would have put it in those terms. And so Kenny, to your point of needing translators, that's yes. what she did for me. There was a moment later toward the end of the process where my hiring manager stopped me in the interview and said, Zane, I need to hear, like, I you're talking about pilots and operators who could you tell me who is your actual customer? Like walk me through the products and services you were providing and who your customer was. Mm -hmm. That again, a moment without her saying that she could have let me 
go on and yeah. um, not understand how my skills translated, but she gave me the opportunity to do that. And those two moments, and there were, there were many throughout there, throughout the process, those two moments were crucial for allowing me access to the opportunity. It was almost like the analogy I think of is like that I thought the door was locked and I, and I'm kind yes. of searching around for a key. And then in those moments, they just pointed out that the key was in my pocket. Right. I Zane, had for our listeners, Zane loves a good analogy. And I, I do love an analogy. <laughs> and, I, and I think he nailed it. That one. One. <laughs> but I also want folks to know additional context about Zane's story that he he had imposter syndrome, almost pulled himself out of breakline before attending because in his mind he was like, I don't see any veterans in the in the tech industry. Uh -huh. Like, I just don't think I can do this. Zane ends up with many offers coming out of Breakline, chose MuleSoft, was promoted three times in three years, all the way through Salesforce's acquisition of MuleSoft and was a top performing customer success manager. No one at MuleSoft at the time was looking for an Air Force officer to fill that role on their customer success team. That's what we mean about talent arbitrage. They were not looking for Zane but Zane was the guy who could up-level performance for the entire team. That's what we want to make possible for all the companies that work with us. And that, and that's the, I mean, the, the recruiters and hiring managers that I see now that are making those same decisions, it's, it's taking the time to, I mean, I see this all the time with recruiters will set up phone calls with us where we can just translate the candidate's experience. We're looking at the Absolutely. same resume and talking through how it could translate. And they communicate what they're looking for because they can't interpret the resume exactly. And we can be those translators for them. Yes. We have sessions with groups of hiring managers. We've had sessions with entire business units where yes. we talk about how these break, like this subset of breakliners are focused, are outcomes oriented, empathetic, giving yeah. specific anecdotes of how it's going to translate. And then the executives and the hiring managers understand that when they get that resume and it has the breakline watermark on it, they understand yeah. the, the, the bar that Absolutely. has been there and it makes a huge difference. And so that's, those are the small tactical things that when you, when you sent that post, Bethany, or when you posted that on LinkedIn, that's what I thought about, like between yeah. the lines of that post are all those recruiters and hiring managers that we work with that yeah. are making sure those small moments are there. So they provide access to opportunity. And we, you know, when you're saying that, like, those are folks who are our heroes, you know, because, yeah, and we have a lot of empathy. I mean, the, the companies that we work with are growing so fast. And when you're mm -hmm. growing that fast, you just need help. And I get it that like when you're in that moment, sort of using your shortcuts for what top talent looks like, you know, if it's this school or this previous employer, and it's just like, that's your go-to play, we get it. And doing things differently does take, it does take a beat, you know, it does take a breath. And Zane, what you're describing, we've seen Blend do this in a best-in-class way. We've seen mm -hmm. um, Confluent do this over and over again in a best-in-class way. One mm -hmm. of our favorite meetings there was when Roger Scott, the chief customer officer, came with his entire team mm -hmm. and went through specific profiles with us, opened the door so wide, and we have so many breakliners at Confluent now absolutely killing it in those roles. So 
I'm really glad that you flagged that. I think it's it's so important, and it it's the combination and the teamwork between Breakline, the recruiter, and the hiring manager. That's where the magic can really happen. Yeah, and I I also think that we're just getting started. For all you recruiters, hiring managers listening to this, we want to work with you. We'd love to be have these kind of conversations and these sessions, and and we want to. I mean, the it's the entire tech industry that that we'd love to make a big dent in. Perfect. So Zane, you have had the opportunity um, to work with thousands of amazing candidates from these non-traditional backgrounds, as as we've been chatting about. But can you really dive deep into some examples? We want to hear about these. Who are these people from these non-traditional backgrounds and how can they be opportunities for these organizations that we're partnered with? Yeah, I, I mean, I almost want to start before I get into specific examples. I'd love to just kind of start with what the opportunity is. And in my mind, I think about, when I think about customer success, I think about value creation for your, your partners that you're in business with. And yeah. when I when I look at the, the last five years and the thousands of brake liners that are out there in the tech industry, I think about the average brake liner has, Bethany mentioned it, promoted three times in three years half of the brake liners that started in individual contributor roles are now managing teams. Brake liners that go into client-facing roles where they're owning a quota are sometimes outperforming their peers by two to three X. Hmm. All those statistics point to tremendous value that's created in top line and bottom line revenue for these companies. So when I talk about winning and we talk about talent arbitrage. I love. I mean, p- part of me loves that it's a it's an economic term, talent arbitrage, because it is. It's it's having an impact, a measurable, quantifiable impact on these organizations, and and that's where it can be a win win for me. I think it does come back to performance, as Bethany mentioned. All the studies show that uh, more diverse teams are outperforming more homogenous teams, mm-hmm. and, yep. and so what. What we see, so that's the, that's the value creation and the value that's at stake too. And so a couple examples that I'd love to, to kind of highlight, and I'll kind of go through them quickly because there, there's a lot and we could, we could go on for hours just giving examples of brake liners, but- It's my favorite uh, thing to talk about. I know. <laughs> and and I, I love starting with one of the first brake liners that's one of my famous or one of my favorite stories of a- um, Marine Corps communications officer who in her time in the military was putting together distributed servers and networks in Kuwait, like in actual battle and mm. in a deployed environment and leading teams doing that. And now having that translate to getting an entry point into site reliability engineering at a top fintech company within three years now, she's the, the head of site reliability engineering at this company. Absolutely phenomenal stories mm. like that. Uh, there's yeah. some there's another breakline apex candidate just in the last few months. It's one of my favorites. Originally born in Nigeria, taught himself data analytics online because he realized there was a vacuum of structure and data-driven decision making that was going on in the in the government and the the public systems that that existed in Nigeria. Immigrated to the U.S. Um, 
and now is was hired by a top tech company and is just thriving as a solution consulting engineer. There's another brakeliner who, and I love the I love this story because to me it highlights the the two points of friction that often exists in the hiring process for brakeliners that we see the most often. The first is getting yes. through the recruiting screen, and when somebody, when an average recruiter is looking at a, a resume for less than six seconds, it's very easy to dismiss a non-traditional candidate. Yes. The second point is at the finish line, where a hiring manager is thinking, or a, or a hiring committee is thinking about, okay, we have two candidates at the finish line, a familiar candidate and an, an unfamiliar candidate, a non-traditional mm-hmm. candidate. Those are the two biggest friction points. And the the, the break liner, and this is one of my favorite stories. Zane, is- Zane, sorry, when you say friction points, what I'm hearing is those are the two main opportunities where we see people gravitating toward the fear-based decision. Yeah. You know? And the fear mm-hmm. is... Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to choose the person who can help me perform at the level that I believe is possible today, rather yep. than I'm going to choose the person who could really redefine what performance looks like on this team, which is what mm-hmm. you did at MuleSoft, to, you know, very specifically. So I, I really want recruiters and hiring managers to hear you that those two moments at the decision about whether or not to screen and the final decision between an unconventional candidate and a conventional candidate, those are the moments to be most sensitive to, am I, am I gravitating toward what's familiar to me simply because it's familiar? Can I give a little kudos here as well? Because I, you know, I know Zane had mentioned it earlier, but this is the work that, that our team is doing. And I think a huge part yeah. of the challenge here is Oftentimes, when you have folks that are coming from more traditional backgrounds, they have advocates, whether it be internally, whether it be through their personal and professional network. And Mm -hmm. this is one of the biggest challenges that we see for people from non-traditional backgrounds is they are under-networked and they historically have not had people on the inside pounding the table for them. And this is the beauty of the work that Zane and his team are doing that our entire team here at Breakline are doing is we want to we want to sit shoulder to shoulder. And one of the favorite yeah. phrases that, that Zane uses is his team is an extension of our mm-hmm. partners hiring teams. And because we're all driving towards the same goal. So just to be able to have that translator in the room where it happens, in the yes. world in, in the words of Hamilton, is such an important part of being able to, to co-create that value that Zane was talking yes, about. Definitely. And, and I think we would be remiss if we just didn't d- just share that insight as well too. And and Kenny, I, I'm so glad that you pointed it out. And Zane, I'm sorry, because Kenny and I both interrupted you and I'm going to turn it back over to you. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> fine. I did. It, you know, I was thinking as you were making that point, Kenny, I was reflecting on how Sergio, our teammate Sergio Padilla runs admissions meetings we have folks around the table at every meeting and now we have to have admissions meetings three times a week because we have so many outstanding candidates applying to breakline there are veterans at that table there are people of color at that table there are mm-hmm. women at that table not once in a while every meeting every time we're making a decision and that is the way that we're trying to approximate having a complete picture of someone's background and what they bring to the table and we help to fill in those gaps for each other all the time. This mm-hmm. just happened earlier today. We were talking about candidates earlier today. And so I think 
really trying to trying to be complete in our assessments of folks is so important and understanding as kenny said when you have a familiar candidate who also has a best friend in the room you know advocating for them you've got a more complete picture make sure you're giving that same advantage to the person that that you're less familiar with zane i'm so sorry we went we down a little rabbit hole I mean, we, no, just excited, we, just, we just excited, man. We just excited, brother. Brother, we excited. excited. But I'm on the edge of my seat because Zane was about to tell us one of his favorite stories. I, I am, yeah. Thank you. And um, and I'm what what I like about the story is that I think it brings together a lot of what we've been describing in in a very practical way. We admitted a brake liner who was a a Goodyear tire salesman, and and. For those that are familiar with tech sales, it's enterprise software is considered the most complex selling motion there is. And so to, to break into tech sales is near impossible. One of the things that we always hear from hiring managers when we're sharing candidates for sales roles is that they have to have software as a service experience. They have to have tech SaaS sales experience. But this, this candidate was just phenomenal. Eight years of just crushing his quota, President's Club year after year, tremendous lived experience as well, and just grit, hustle for days. He immigrated from the Caribbean, and as we were talking to him about what he was optimizing for and what was most important to him, he was mentioning how he still was taking care of his family. They're all back in the Caribbean as well, and had so many hopes and dreams of that That true like beautiful American story, American dream, and he was living it. And he was a, a great example of that. And we talked that we were, I was sitting down with them as we were kind of optimizing what roles. And I was like, man, tech sales may be difficult. And I kind of was commenting on how, what we normally hear in terms of some of those friction points. And I was, I was like, what, talk to me about what your selling motion is. What's your, what's your average deal size? And he was like, well, my, my average deal size is, seven figures. I was like, mm. okay, what, what's your average sales cycle? And he was like between six months and three years. It's starting to sound familiar. And I was like, Come okay, who, who are you, who are you normally selling to? And he was like, I'm normally selling to like the C-suite executives and talking to them mm. about how on their fleets of trucks, the status quo of not thinking about which tire you're using as a strategic imperative for your business is wrong. And if you don't, and he got into the water coefficients of the tire and what they're <laughs> yes. of, the engineering detail and literally going through the technical and business value proposition and the tire industry for what he was selling was a subscription-based business. It was exactly what tech sales is, in other words. And, and so we were able to meet, sit down with the recruiters. There was a little bit of initial pushback. We were able to translate that experience. And, and luckily this was a, a recruiter that we partner with all the time. And she was like, yep, let's, let's get them screened. Fast forward, the head of sales at this company ends up telling him, listen, I think uh, we, we absolutely want to bring you on. And I think by next year, you're going to be, we'll have promoted you twice and you're going to be the leading commercial account executive at our company. That story so much. And, and part of the reason why I love it is because 
we see that story every single day. And Zane, it's just like you. No, no, as much as I love MuleSoft, nobody at MuleSoft was looking for you for that customer success role. And an amazing recruiter who continues to be one of my everyday heroes, and we continue to work with her, mm-hmm. took took that shot. And boy, did that pay off. And this is this is a, another version of that, and we see it every single day. There's one other point I want to mention about this candidate. When you've got that level of responsibility to people that you love who are depending on you, there is no substitute for that fire in the belly, you know, Mm -hmm. for that hustle, for that insistence on delivering, because failure is simply not an option Mm -hmm. when you've got that level of responsibility to other people in your life. And so I totally agree with the hiring manager's assessment. I think that this is going to be one of the best decisions that they ever make. And so I'm so glad you told that story. Thank you, Zane. Yeah, and I and I think the 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 end of that story, what we see all all the time mm-hmm. is six months to two years later when we're talking to those yes. hiring managers or recruiters saying, I never would have totally. picked his his or her resume off the stack. That's but right. they are the top performer on this team. That's right. And and it's okay that they wouldn't have thought to themselves, I'm looking for a tire salesman for this role. Mm -hmm. That's okay. What makes it okay is that if they get that recommendation from Breakline or from some other reputable organization, they will take a shot. All Mm -hmm. we're asking is, especially at those two delicate moments that Zane mentioned, the opportunity to screen and then the opportunity to get hired, especially against a familiar candidate, just take a beat and biased for yes, as much as possible. And we, we talk about that as a best practice all the time mm-hmm. is bias to screen make, can make a huge difference because once they're, once that candidate has the opportunity to talk about their experience, then those parallels can be seen and demonstrated. Mm-hmm. That's the single biggest lever for diverse hiring. The second biggest lever is at that, you know, at that decision stage where it Mm -hmm. comes down to that candidate and a more familiar candidate. Those are the points at which you want to make sure as much as possible that you augment your decision making with folks who share those backgrounds. That's exactly why multiple times a week, our team, we pull our team together so that we make sure that we've got as complete a picture as possible of different types of backgrounds. Y'all, this has been just such an awesome conversation. And I have one final question for you guys. So if you're out there and you're a hiring manager, you're a recruiter, how do you know if you're making a fear-based decision versus an opportunity-based decision? Well, I can take a stab at that. And then Kenny and Zane, you know, certainly chime in. I think um, you have to look around. Look around yourself and be honest about what you're seeing. If you're seeing an organization that largely reminds you of yourself, that's an indication that you are leaning toward fear-based decision-making. You, mm-hmm. you know, the, the magnetic pull of the familiar is extraordinarily strong. And, um, and so there's an opportunity here to try something new and, and to, to add outstanding talent to what you already have at the table. And so 
that's that's probably your your best bet and your best indication about how this is playing out. If most people in your organization remind you of yourself, you have an opportunity going forward to do things differently mm -hmm. and to add outstanding talent to your organization to perform at levels that you might not even be able to conceive of today. And that's what we're really advocating for. Sometimes I think we get into this sort of false zero sum game that if we if we add diversity we have to subtract performance that's that's the opposite of the truth diversity is a synonym for performance all the research from top universities shows us that that is true it is indisputable and so lean in to the effort to do things differently and hold yourself accountable for the outcome which is transformative for your organization and also for the results that you're responsible for driving as an executive at that company. Amen. And all Thank those recruiters and engineering managers out there that are partnering with us, you guys are our heroes. We love, we love you. you. Oh my gosh. That, that's why Breakline exists. We love you. We're so grateful and uh, looking forward to continuing to build this community together. Amen. I don't know a better note for us to close on out today. So thank you guys for joining us in the arena for this conversation. Um, and to all of our faithful listeners, we will see you guys again next time.